open your Bible to Acts 20. We'll be looking at verse 17 through 22 in just a bit. But, uh, you know, um, oftentimes, I think when it comes to serving the Lord, we can get very discouraged when we see a lack of results in our witnessing, in our ministry, in our service. And we wonder, and I know I get like this, I wonder, am I doing it right? I wonder, maybe, maybe there's a better way. Now I'm not talking about compromise. You're not going to catch me compromising. If, if this church compromises, they're going to have to give me the boot. <laughs> and you know, I don't think there's any sort of magic formula. But what we can do, and what I want to do this morning, is we can examine the life of a man that got it done for God. Amen. A man who led many to Christ. A man who started many churches. A man who had a successful career as a missionary and an evangelist and a great servant of God. And a Christian that really we don't even compare to. Let us look at the Apostle Paul. And the principles he applied to his life as a Christian and to his ministry and his service for God. That helped him to be the successful servant that the Bible testifies of. And listen folks, I truly believe if we can get back to patterning our life and service after this Christ honoring servant of God. That we will know we are on the right track in our lives as Christians. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The man had the right perspective. As Brother Darrell was talking about, it was all about being like Christ. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of, of God in Christ Jesus. His whole life was all about being Jesus before the people that he ministered to and that he sought to reach. And I think if we could find that pattern, if we could follow that pattern, that we would have the service that God wants for us to have. You know, oftentimes I think the truth is that we have a zeal without knowledge. Sometimes we have zeal without any action that is actually related to it. We have, we have all these great and wonderful plans and these good ideas and these good intentions, but we don't implement those things. And listen, folks, as we look over these things today, they're is one thing we will repeatedly notice. Paul was a man of action. He was a go-getter. Paul was busy about his master's business. Is that what the Lord could say about you? He took what he knew needed to be done and he did it. He wasn't like, oh, well, this would be a good idea to do sometime or maybe someday I'd like to serve God. But I believe the Apostle Paul thought to himself, well, if the master said, go ye, then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go ye. <laughs> I won't be still. I will be busy and do it. So as we examine the principles of Paul's life and ministry today, we must realize, folks, that our good intentions are not good enough. It's got to go beyond that. We need boots on the ground that go with those good intentions. James even said, if faith without works is dead, 
being alone. And oftentimes we'll proclaim to everybody how much of a Christian we are, but I'll tell you what, without the boots on the ground, without the action backing those words, your faith is very dead. And I'll tell you, folks, if we are going to be the type of Christians that God wants for us to be, revival Christians, Christians like the early church saw, Christians like we see in the Apostle Paul, who literally was seeing revival in his life and through his ministry and in his days. And listen, we're going to have to just determine, I will go and I'm going to just do it. I mean, I'm not going to have just good intentions. I'm going to put my feet on the ground and get busy for God. Listen, folks, good intentions never want anybody to Jesus Christ. And good intentions never prepared for a Sunday school class or a children's church. They never fill the pew with visitors. They never fill the bus with bus kids and families. Good intentions, listen, they'll not get you up on Sunday morning to go to church or to go to the prison and preach either. Good intentions will not clean the church. And mow the yard. I wish it worked that way. <laughs> but you can have all the good intentions and it won't get done unless you do it. You know what? Good intentions will not keep the lights on at the church or the missionaries on the field. You got to do something about it, Christian. You see, good intentions are great. But if we don't act on those good intentions... How can we ever expect to be successful servants of God like the Apostle Paul? Amen. It just won't work. If we desire for our Christian lives and service to be a success in God's eyes, then we need to go further than our good intentions and put our boots on the ground and do something about it, Christian. Well, I'll tell you what, this COVID thing, I think it's got all of us, even Christians, just locked down in our place, so we're absolutely unwilling to do anything. We don't even think about others anymore. Probably the vast majority of the time when we even go out, we forget to put those gospel tracts in our pocket because we're so concerned just about ourselves right now. And you know what, the, the, the truth of the matter is, people probably need to see Jesus in you more now than they ever did before. May God help us. Our good intentions need to go further than just good intentions. We need boots on the ground. And so as we're going to open up and look at Acts 20, 17 to 22 this morning, I want us to see the principles in Paul's life and his ministry that made him that successful Christian and servant of God that he was. And listen, Paul's nobody special. Paul was a murderer. Paul, Paul, Paul persecuted the church of Jesus Christ. But God used him in a great and magnificent way. Because Paul was willing to let his faith go further than his good intentions. From the very beginning when he met Jesus, the words that came out of his mouth was, Lord, what wilt thou have me to what? Do. To do. And then when God told him, what did he do? He did it. He did it. How often do we hear what we're supposed to do and we just don't do it because we've got other things going on. We want to do what we want to do. As Daryl said this morning, our lives have become so self-centered. We don't care about anybody but ourselves. That's not going to be a successful Christian servant. That's not going to be a successful church and ministry. 
beyond ourselves, beyond what we want in life, and get back to old-time Christianity, amen. Christianity like the Christianity that Apostle Paul had. And so, as we listen to today's, today's sermon, I hope that we will not only have good intention, intentions concerning these principles, but I hope we'll actually put some action into it. That we'll put these principles into practice in our life, that we can see the type of life and service and ministry as a Christian that God wants to see in each of our lives. Listen, and let me tell you ahead of time, I am not the only person in this church they should be serving Jesus, amen. amen. Don't you tell me I ought to be. I am not alone in this. We are to minister for Christ together as a church, amen. amen. That means you in the pews and me in the pulpit all together working for the cause of Christ. And when we've forgotten about that, we've forgotten the reason that Jesus left us on this earth. Amen. Because God didn't leave you here to live for yourself, Christian. Amen. He left you here so you could serve him and honor him and glorify him and tell others about him. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, we need some help because we've become so self-centered in our lives that we've got our little bubble we're living in. We can't think about anybody else and we really don't care about anybody else. May God help us. We want to see revival in the church? Well, get out of your bubble and start dying to self and let Christ reign in your life again and start living for God with all your soul, with all your heart, and with all your mind. And then we'll see some revival in this place. Amen. The reason we don't is because we don't care about anybody but me. Well, I'll tell you about what, folks. We need to get back to some old-fashioned Christian service and ministry the way that Paul ministered. Because a person who goes forward with good intentions but nothing else has done nothing of any real benefit. You know, I think I could honestly tell you, Brother Raymond would agree with me, I think that the road to hell is paved with good intentions, is it not? How many people do we meet that I mean, we'll even go through the Ten Commandments. We'll go through everything. They'll say, oh, yeah, God would judge me. I'd be guilty. I'd go to hell. And we'll say, well, when are you going to repent and trust Christ as your Savior so you don't have to go to hell, so you can live for Jesus, so you can walk with Him and honor Him with your life? And, wow, I really should do that sometime. Those good intentions don't do them much good, do they? You don't get into heaven by being a good person. You get into heaven because of what Jesus did for you. Because there's a time and place in your life where you repent of that wrong, wicked way. You turn from it. You turn to Christ, trusting in what he did on that old rugged cross, to trust him and follow him and live for him and let him be your Lord and your Savior and the God of your life. And good intentions aren't going to save anybody. And you know what? The road to an apathetic, powerless Christianity is also paved with good intentions, is it not? You know why we've got a weak and anemic Christianity that's seen in our world today? It's because Christians have lots of good intentions, but they never do anything about it. Yeah. A good idea is a good idea, but if you don't do anything about it, it doesn't benefit anybody. So as we look at these principles from Paul's life and ministry, may we not just hear them, 
Or some would say, amen, that's good, preacher. That's really good. I really shouldn't do that, preacher. That's what I hear every time we go out knocking on doors. I really shouldn't do that, preacher. And yet they continue on the road to hell. And boy, I hope that's not going to be the way you'll be with this message because we need some things to change if we want God to move. But we've got to get away from being so stuck on ourselves where we have more than good intentions and we're willing to actually do what God wants us to do. The points that we're going to look at today have no specific order, but they are all things that I see here applied in Paul's life and ministry that enabled him to be the successful Christian and servant of God that he was. And I hope that we will look at this prayerfully and say, God, what is it that you want me to be? Because just saying, I wish it this was this way, or boy, this would really be good if this happened. That's just good intentions. You've got to do something about it, Christian. So let us take his example and see what God wants from us. And may God help us to see the error of our way and to get it right that we might allow God to work in this place and in our life as well. Let's read, uh, let's read together Acts chapter 20, verse 17 through 18. 17 to 22, I'm sorry. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you all, uh, you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. The first thing I want you to notice here about the Apostle Paul's life, in verse number 18, I want you to notice he did not procrastinate. Notice that phrase, from the first day. From the first day. That tells me something about Paul. Paul was successful in his service because he did not put it off until later. It was not, I'll get around to it. No, he got it done. Amen. Yeah. And honestly, I think many times we plan to serve God. And we have those good intentions to do our ministry and to serve him and to do it well. But we get ourselves so busy with the, the cares and the affairs of this, this old world and just our Christian life and our Christian service ends up being like that seed that's cast on the ground amongst the weeds. And it gets choked out. And it doesn't bear fruit like it should because we had good intentions but nothing came of it. And so we have those great plans and those great intentions but nothing amounts to it because we're too busy. It's it choked out. We put it off and we put it off and we put it off until guess what? Time is out. And if we're even able to do anything at all, our effort is anemic and not what it should be. 
You know, there's going to come a day, if you don't wish now that you've done more for Jesus, there's going to come a day where you're going to stand before him and you're going to look him eye to eye. You're going to see the nail marks in his hands and you're going to wish. You're going to wish he had more than good intentions. Listen, folks, Paul was successful in his Christian life. He was successful in his ministry. And let me tell you, this ought to be our utmost goal in life. As a believer, this ought to be our highest and utmost goal. That in life, we would be successful as Christians and as servants of God. We all ought to want that, not just me. And Paul was successful in his Christian life and in his service because he did procrastinate and put it off. Probably many of you here this morning recognize that you should be serving Jesus in some way or form, or you should be serving him in a better way. You should be witnessing and finding ways to minister in this local church if this is your body of believers. But you say, oh, well, you know, it's a good idea. It really is a good idea. I really ought to be doing something for God. I really ought to be serving him sometime. And that's where it stops. You know, folks, I can share with you that that magical some other time is not going to come, is it? And I understand this is part of our human nature because I can be like this sometimes myself. And I know, I know that the devil will always give you a reason to put it off and to put it off until it's too late and it doesn't get done. Because he wants you to put the things of God to the very last spot. And he'll give you all kinds of cares and affairs that you've got to deal with in this world. So you say, I just don't have time for Jesus. I don't have time to serve God. I don't have time to live for God. And he's going to keep you in that rat race the rest of your life until you meet Jesus face to face. And you say, I wish, I wish I'd done something more for God. But let me tell you as well, folks, those of you who are already active and serving in this local church. This issue of procrastination doesn't stop when you start serving in your ministry either. Because I'll tell you what, Satan will do everything he can to keep you from getting the job done and getting it done right. Amen. Let me tell you, listen, if Satan can get you to procrastinate in your service in such a way that he can stop you or hinder you in your service for Christ, he is going to do it, Christian. Listen, Christians, I can assure you that when you put off the responsibilities of your ministry to another day, or you procrastinate to such an extent that you will you handicap or hinder your service for God. You cannot expect your ministry and service to be the fruitful service that you would you and the Lord want if you operate like this. It will not be so. So just determine, I will not put it off. I will not put it off. I will not get around to it. I'll just say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And then, yes, Lord, I'm going to do it. And as Paul said from the very first day, as soon as you have opportunity, I'm going to do it. God's going to be first because God is most important. Yes. Not your job. 
not your hobbies, not your fishing trips, not everything else you can throw in there and these cares and affairs in this old world. Your God is most important. Sunday school, prison ministry, soul winning, bus ministry, pulpit ministry, song ministry, maintenance ministry, whatever it may be. Don't put it off. Put it first and do it to the best of your ability for the glory of God. You know, I've seen numerous preachers who have fallen by the wayside in their ministries because... They got to the place where they would procrastinate and procrastinate and procrastinate. And they put it off and put it off. And the people started to notice that when they get up in the pulpit on Sunday morning, they weren't ready. They weren't prepared. They didn't do their diligence to prepare for that service. And eventually they ended up, their ministries became anemic and they had to just step down and leave because they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing and they weren't doing it the right way. And you know, it's not just preachers that can get like that. You can get like that in any ministry where you're just half-heartedly doing it just so you can say you've done it. I had a Sunday school teacher growing up, and I don't think the pastor even knew that this was happening, but it got so that those they had some teenage girls that were teaching the class, and they, they had gotten to the place where they were so ill-prepared for that Sunday school class that I don't even remember them doing any sort of Sunday school lesson at all. I remember us playing hangman almost the entire Sunday school class. And you know the reason? They weren't prepared. I'm sure they had good intentions, but they weren't prepared. If you aren't prepared and you put it off, you will either do it half-heartedly or you're just not going to do it at all. And God does not deserve, he does not deserve the last place, and he does not deserve the crumbs of your life, Christian. He deserves the first and the very best. Amen. So may we apply this principle. Do not delay, but do it right away. Pray over it, plan, prepare, so you are ready that your Christian life and service may be all that God wants for it to be. Because as I've said multiple times already since I've been up here this morning, good intentions will get you nowhere, Christian. There's many Christians that have lied, dying on their deathbed, saying, I wished I'd done more for God. Those good intentions did them no good, did they? I don't want to one day lie on my deathbed and say, I wish I'd done more for God. Honestly, I think no matter how much I'm able to do, I'll probably at least feel that way to some extent anyways, because there's not enough that I really could do for my Jesus who died for me on that old rugged cross. But Paul did not procrastinate. And that was why he was able to be a faithful and good servant and Christian. Notice also he was humble in his ministry. And sometimes we've got to work on this, folks, because I'll tell you what, we are prone to pride. That ugly sin of pride is prone to raise up its ugly head in our life. And we need to learn to be like Jesus and be humble. The Bible tells us here in verse number 19, serving the Lord, how? With all humility of mind. Listen, folks, whether it is in this pulpit or in the pew or on the doorstep evangelizing or in the Sunday school room or the prison or on the bus or on any other ministry that we may have in this church, pride will keep you from being the Christian and the servant of God that God wants for you to be. So 
Solomon wrote in Proverbs 16, 18, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Listen, folks, pride is something that will destroy anything and everything in its path. And nothing good comes when we operate in a prideful manner. May we not be puffed up. May we not be lifted up. You're nothing anyways. Right? Jesus is everything, but you're nothing. We ought to realize that first and foremost. Right now, just realize Jesus is, Jesus is God. I'm, I am nothing. I'm just a humble servant. I don't even deserve to serve him. May the Lord help us to serve with all humility of mind as the Apostle Paul did. As I said, folks, listen, it's not about you anyways, is it? It is not about you. It's about Jesus. And it's about Christ in me, the hope of glory. So may we just determine to serve and to live the Christian life with all humility of mind. I've seen people in areas of service destroy a work because they are puffed up and prideful and seeking vain glory. You see in 1 Peter 4.11 it says, If any man minister, let him do so as of the ability which what? Which God giveth. That's what the Bible says. Do you know what that means? It means it's not about you. It's about Jesus and what he can do and will do through you. It's not about your work, but it's about God's work. Amen. So if your service sees success, just remember it's the Lord's work and it's the Lord's success. And don't get a big head. Just keep plodding on for Jesus. But on the other hand, if your service doesn't see success, again, remember, it's not about you anyways. It's his work and not yours. So you just keep humbly on serving, plodding on and working for God. And you know what also, folks, I think sometimes we need to be willing to admit, I was wrong. Anybody like saying that? You know why you don't like saying that? Pride. I am sorry. Those are some powerful words, are they not? You know, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you... Are Mr. Perfect. And if you're in here and you think you're Mr. Perfect this morning, let's ask your wife. I'm sure she won't agree. The fact of the matter is this. You are still human. You are still going to make mistakes. And you will, in some way or another, miss the mark from time to time. You're going to fail. You're going to fall through. You're going to let somebody down. And you need to be willing to say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And you know what, if, I'll tell you, I try my best to be a nice guy and a good preacher, but you know what, if I'm here long enough, sooner or later, somehow I'm going to let one or more of you down, and you're going to be disappointed in me, because I'm a man, and I'm not perfect, and I make mistakes sometimes. And I honestly, if I know about it, I am going to try to come to you and get that right. Because I don't want to operate in pride. Now, if I don't know about it, I don't know if there's much I can do about it. But if I am aware of it, I want to take care of it. Sometimes you just need to humble yourself, apologize, admit that you were wrong. As James said, confess that fault. That's humility. 
I've met some preachers who have destroyed their ministries because they would not humble themselves and say, I'm sorry, and admit that they were wrong. Their attitude was, I'm always right because I'm the preacher. Almost like they're God. You say, well, what about you, preacher? Well, you know what? I've gone and apologized to people because I'm not perfect and I make mistakes. I've at times had to admit that I was wrong, whether it has been here or in Ukraine. There have been times that I have needed to humble myself and apologize because I am not perfect. I'm still human. And really, if I as a minister can't set an example of humility before you, how could I expect you to act that way in your service or even in your home? And I'll tell you what, you think it's bad in the church to have somebody be prideful? I'll tell you what, it's ten times worse to have somebody be prideful in the home, in the marriage, in the family. Boy, I'll tell you what, what a disaster that home's going to be. Listen, Christian, the prideful Christian will destroy his ministry, his life, his service, his family, and his testimony too. So may we, as Paul did, serve the Lord, how? With all humility of mind. That's God's will for you, Christian. I want you to notice also he was not prejudiced in his ministry. Look at verse number 21. It says here, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. You know what? Paul preached to kings and he preached to babes. Paul preached to the Jews as well as to the Greeks. I think that honestly his desire, like that of Christ, is that all men would come to repentance. That was his desire. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Amen. We've gotten ourselves into a situation in our society where our culture has become so polarized. Where... There are black people that hate white people and white people that hate black people. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says we're all of one blood. Is that not what the book says? And I'll tell you what, I would be thoroughly excited if we had someone from every country, from every tongue, from every kindred and every nation sitting in this church this morning. Because guess what? That's the way it's going to be in heaven. Jesus was not prejudiced, neither should we be. Paul was not prejudiced, neither should we be. And if we can get them to come to this church, I want them to come to this church. Amen? Yes, you know what, folks? Oftentimes I've seen places where it's not prejudiced just amongst races. I've known some churches that will evangelize only in the wealthy areas of town. Or they seek only to get the wealthy to come to their church. But let me tell you, friend, a successful ministry does not revolve around you reaching one class or one race of people. It revolves around us seeking to go out into the highways and the hedges and to compel them in, to just bring all of them to Christ. No matter what section of town they live in, no matter what type of clothes they wear, no matter how much money they do or do not have in the bank account, no matter what race they are associated with, listen, the Bible says, one blood. People are people, amen. And all men need to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so may we not forget, a successful ministry is not prejudice. It is without respect of persons that it seeks to reach everybody for Jesus Christ. 
May we, like Paul, have that manner that we seek to reach all men. Notice also here, verse number 20, he kept nothing back. Number four, he kept nothing back. Verse 20 says, and how I kept back what? Nothing that was profitable unto you. So not only did he serve without procrastination, without pride, without prejudice. But I want you to notice the Apostle Paul gave his best, did he not? You know, many times I think, kind of like Brother Darrell was talking about this morning, we tell ourselves we're giving our best. I'm good right here. I've done all I need to do. But the reality is we really aren't. We could give a whole lot more for Jesus. I mean, we could do a whole lot more for Jesus. We could do a, a, a ton better than what we're doing right now. But instead, what we do is we justify ourselves in our current position. I'm good right here. Good enough. You know what? That wasn't Paul. Paul sincerely gave his best. He was, he was not a half-hearted Christian. He was going to serve, and he was going to serve to the best of his ability. He kept nothing back. I don't think there's anyone here this morning that can say, I've kept nothing back. But he kept nothing back. I think you could truly say the Apostle Paul was full throttle for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, folks, we need some old-time Christians like Paul who will just step up to the plate and say, forget about all the cares and affairs of this world. I'm going to just give of my very best for Jesus. I'm going to quit playing footsie with the world. And I'm going to say, okay, Jesus, I know you're coming soon. And I want to live like it today. And I'm going to give of my best for the master. Amen. Because when I see you face to face, I don't want to have to turn my head down in shame because I lived... For everything and anything but what you wanted in my life. I remember when we first started deputation as missionaries. Um, something that Brother Matt had told me. It always stuck in my mind. And when we first got started, I kind of, I counseled with him regularly. Because I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to get started to become a missionary or any of that. So I was on the phone with him all the time. And he said, he said Brother Curtis... He said, let me give you some advice. He said, you don't need to do junk for Jesus. And you know, I've, I've never forgotten that stuck in my mind. You say, what, what was he saying? Well, whether it, whether it was our prayer card as a missionary or the display that we put up or our efforts to get, get to the field, Jesus deserves the very best that you can give him. Yes, and listen, folks, that... Uh, may that be the theme of our lives. I mean, think about it. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive the reward of his sufferings, Christian. Very best. That's what he deserves. He gave his very best for you, did he not? And so we must say no junk for Jesus, no leftovers for Jesus. He doesn't get the tidbits of my time if I happen to have time for him, but I'm going to give him the first and the best. I'm going to make sure he's first in my life. And as Paul said, I'll keep nothing back. You see, I truly believe God blessed Paul's service because he gave of his best to the master. And boy, I'll tell you what, we need to get back to that place. Because I think there's many in here today that don't want to say, I'll keep nothing back. They've got something they're holding on to.
They've got things they wouldn't let go of if God wanted them to so they could serve him better. May we determine no junk for Jesus, no leftovers, but he gets my best. I want you to notice number five. He served with compassion. Verse number 19, it tells us, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and how? And with many tears. Many tears. You know, the Apostle Paul had a heart for people, did he not? You see, Paul was so burdened for their souls that it was bringing him to tears. And I'll tell you what, I, I think we need help in this area. I think we desperately need help in this area, especially in this generation. Because quite frequently, listen, we fail to be compassionate to those that are around us. And we fail to see when those around us are hurting, we just seal ourselves off into our own little houses, in our own little worlds, with our own little cell phones, typing on those things with no care or concern for other people. Whether it's the brothers and sisters in the church, or whether it's those out in the community, we have our own little world and we've sealed ourselves in and we just don't act compassionate. And I'll tell you folks, we cannot minister as a church like that. Your brothers and sisters in Christ in here, they need to see the compassion of Christ demonstrated to them. When they're hurting, when they're down, when they're troubled, they need you to demonstrate the love of Christ. And those out in the world around us, listen, they are desperately crying out, needing someone to say, I care about you. So get out of your bubble, amen. Put the stinking cell phone down, amen. And show a little compassion to those around you and be like Jesus. Paul was such a man. He had a heart for people and he was compassionate. For those he ministered to. And that compassion he had caused him to reach out to those people. And to those folks. The Bible also tells us he was so burdened for their souls that he had these great amount of tears. Romans 9, 1-3, it tells us it, it went so far to say that he could have wished himself a cursed for his brethren. That's how, how burdened he was. He had a great burden, a continual sorrow to see a lost and dying world uh, brought to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And when was the last time that he really even cared at all? You got your own bubble. You got your own cell phone. You know, I can be bad about this sometimes. I get my own things going on in my own, own little world. I don't think about what other people might be going through. But I'll tell you what. People need to see the love of Christ demonstrated through this church. They need to. And I can't be the only one that does it because you know what? I miss the mark sometimes and I don't always think of things. But people need to see the love of Jesus coming from you. Whether it's our brothers and sisters here in the church or those out in the community. Because if they don't see the love of Jesus in you, then why in the world are they going to want your Jesus? Oh my God, help us. I know when we first went to Ukraine, forever etched in my mind, I looked at the faces of those that we went by on those subway systems and trains. You just look and it was just complete, utter hopelessness. 
no joy in their face, no happiness. And oh, how God at that time put a great burden on my soul to have compassion on them and to try to reach them with the gospel. And I believe Paul was successful because his burden of compassion. Listen, folks, may we look at those around us. May we see outside our bubble and see that there's people around us that are hurting and that need someone to demonstrate to them the love of Jesus Christ. This lost world in which we live desperately needs to see the compassion of Jesus Christ. May God help us to do that, to be as the Apostle Paul was here. He was so burdened that he was moved with tears. So we see here he served with compassion. Notice also number six, he served with control and endurance. And I got just a couple more things, we'll be finished. Uh, notice in verse number 19, it says here, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptation, uh, and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. So he says, serving the Lord, not just with many tears, but also with many temptations. You know, I've learned, if I've learned anything in the years that I have spent in the ministry, is this. Serving Jesus is often difficult. It often is difficult. The Bible compares serving the Lord to being in an army and being in a war. Sometimes it's difficult. There are, there are often many uh, trials and hardships and temptations. And, and honestly, I think the greatest temptation is this. I give up. Right? Because frequently it's hard in many and multiple different ways. I've heard him say, every preacher resigns on Monday. Probably some of you have heard that said before as well. Why? It's hard. If we will have a successful Christian life and service for Jesus, it's going to involve us going on for God with control and endurance. I'm sure, think about this now, folks. If anybody had an excuse to quit, was it not the Apostle Paul? Do you not remember what this man went through? I mean, if you don't remember, I'm not going to read it today for the sake of time, but in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23 through 28, it describes the great difficulties and afflictions that this man went through as he served Jesus. I mean, ship, multiple shipwrecks, stonings, beating with rods, imprisonment. I mean, trouble among the brethren. Everything you could think of was piled on this man's shoulders. And yet he did not give up. Despite the great trial of affliction, he continued on for Jesus in his service. And how often do we easily give up serving God? Oh, I've got this care. I've got this affair. I mean, it's not even a hardship. We just got things going on and we don't take time for God, right? Paul was beaten and he kept on going for God. Paul was stoned. He brushed the stones off. And he said, I'll go on for God. I'll preach to another city. Amen. that thing going on. I guess I can't serve God. What type of faith do we even have nowadays, folks? I mean, truly, this was a different type of man. May God help us be like that type of man. Amen. He didn't give up despite the afflictions. He continued on for Jesus in his service. Just get out of your bubble and serve God. Amen. Unfortunately, I've seen and heard of many Christian workers over the years who have 
given up. I've seen others who have lacked self-control and in a time of temptation and all kinds of ungodly things. And their service, their ministry for Christ, it was destroyed because of these wrong choices. Listen, folks, may we just determine, I will be faithful. I will be faithful to live for and to serve Jesus with all of my heart, despite the trials, despite the temptations, despite what may be thrown at me in this old wicked world, I will just live for God. Amen. I'm just going to keep on keeping on for God. Because guess what? If you're not willing to say that now, what's going to happen when they start putting Christians in prison? Hey, I'll meet in the, I'll meet in the forest with you. <laughs> If I have to, I'll get a job and we'll all gather in somebody's backyard in the forest. I don't mind doing that. They did it in Ukraine, right? But what are you going to do? I'll tell you what, folks. We need to be determined. I'm going to just keep on for God. I'm going to keep on for Christ. No matter how hard it gets, I'm going to live for him and I'm going to serve him and I'm going to obey him and I'm going to follow him because that's what I've been called to do as a believer. Notice number seven. I got two more things. He looked for people to minister. Verse number 20 tells us, and, uh, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. You know what the funny thing about ministering is? If you don't go find some people to minister to, you won't have any. <laughs> right? Paul was not a bump on a log. He sought people publicly by going house to house. He went out looking for people, amen. He went fishing, right? <laughs> it only makes sense if you go fishing enough. Guess what? Sooner or later, you're going to catch some fish. I heard a quote once, and I think that unfortunately many churches have become, come like this. It says, unfortunately, many preachers, they have become keepers of aquariums rather than fishers of men. That's a sad, sad, sad statement, but that's the truth and the reality of what's happening in most churches today. We've got to get back to fishing, amen? If we will successfully serve the Lord and minister, we've got to seek out their men and to compel them to come in. Paul made contact with people publicly by going house to house. And so if we desire to be successful serving the Lord, we must also seek out the fish. Now, I got to thinking about this. I thought, you know what? If we don't, Brother Jack, if you go somewhere and you're fishing and you're just not catching anything, what do you do? You, you quit. Sometimes you quit. But you know what? If you're a good fisherman, you don't find another spot, right? You're going to find a spot where the fish are biting. You just keep trying. You keep trying because you want those fish, right? Okay. Don't quit like Brother Jackie. Keep fishing, okay? <laughs> Find yourself a place with some fish, amen? Uh, look for some people to minister to. God has called us. He said, I want to make you what? Fishers of men. And this isn't just my job. This is the job of every born-again Christian in this building this morning. Yeah. I should not be the only one trying to get other people to come to church and try telling, uh, trying to tell other people about Jesus. Everyone in here ought to be doing that. Okay, so he looked for people to minister to. I want you to notice also he preached the right message, verse 21. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> repentance toward God and faith to the Lord Jesus. 
Paul could boldly say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Right? Paul was excited to preach the gospel. For he understood that it was only by means of the gospel that people could be saved. He said, what's the gospel, preacher? The Bible says the gospel is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your place for your sins. That if you would be willing to repent and turn from your wicked way and trust in what he did on that overhead cross, you can be saved. Amen. That's the gospel. And listen, he wasn't preaching just come and believe, just come as you are. He preached the same message as Jesus, repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Repent and believe the gospel. Accept your repentance, shall all likewise perish. The Bible says. Listen, folks, Paul was not interested in just pleasing people. He was not interested in just filling pews. But he was extremely interested in making sure he went out to where the people were and he gave them the whole gospel, the truth. Amen. Amen. May we also recognize if we will have the ministry and the service and the Christian life that God wants for us to have, we must preach the right message, the gospel message to repent and to turn from your wicked ways and your sins and to turn to Jesus to trust in what he did on that old rugged cross. Amen. So that you might be gloriously saved. You see, folks, that was, that's what serving Jesus is all about, is it not? And I'll tell you what, folks. We need to get back to serving the Lord like Paul did. We need to get to the place where we're not stuck in our bubbles anymore. But we get out of our bubble. Put that cell phone down and just look for a way to serve God. Amen. Notice what he did here as a servant of God. He did not put it off. You put it off, you say, that's a good idea, preacher. I might even come to the altar and pray about it, preacher. And you put it off, you put it off, and next week you're no different. Paul didn't do that. He would not procrastinate. Also, he was humble in his ministry. He was not prejudiced in his ministry. He kept nothing back. He gave it all. He served with compassion. He served with control and endurance. He looked for a people to minister to. And guess what? He preached the right message, which a lot of folks aren't doing nowadays. May God help us to serve the Lord with gladness and to give of our very best, give of our first and of our very best to the Master. And listen, as I said to you, I've said to you throughout this message, folks, this church shouldn't be a church with a solitary minister. You understand what I'm saying? I should not be the only minister in this building. The Bible, the word minister means servant. But this should be a church full of ministers where all of us are seeking to be like the Apostle Paul, faithfully serving the Lord, compassionately seeking to minister one to another and seeking to compassionately reach a lost world for Jesus Christ. And I confess to you this morning, I cannot do it myself. I can't. And God hasn't called me to do it myself. He wants you to come alongside me and do it with me. As Jesus stated, whosoever will be great among you, let him what? Be your minister. What about you, Christian? 
Are you serving like Paul? Have you got stuck in your bubble where you don't care about much of anything but yourself and what's going on in your life? Oh, I hope that the Lord has spoken to your heart today. I hope this is a starting point of something new and fresh in your life. As we all stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. As the pianist comes to play on the piano, if the Lord has spoken to your heart, you come and pray this morning. Maybe you just want to rededicate your life to serving Jesus. Say, Lord, I know I've failed. I know I've not served like I ought to. And I need to get back to that place of serving like the Apostle Paul. Would you do it this morning? Maybe you've been so tied up in the cares and the affairs of this life that Jesus has been put last on your list. Everything else has become more important. Would you put it first again? Would you come forward and get that straight with God this morning and say, Lord, I know this isn't right. I know this isn't the way you want it to be in my life. God, help me to give you the preeminence in my life like you deserve. Maybe you've just not been compassionate. Maybe you've not been humble. Maybe there's something you need to confess to God this morning. Would you come forward and deal with it this morning? Oh, and let's, let's not just have good intentions now, folks. May God help us to put action behind the thoughts and words of our mouths. And may God do a work in this place this morning. The Lord spoke in your heart. You come and pray this morning, Christians. wonder, as we sit here today, that's bowed and eyes closed, this message was spread. We don't believe it, but we believers. But I wonder, is there one here that might say, Preacher, I really don't know for sure that I have repented as you talked about and trusted Christ. My Savior, I don't know for sure that I have given my life to Jesus Christ. And I want to know. I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to trust Him as my Savior. Is there anyone like that here today that can raise their hand and say, Preacher, please pray for me. That's what I need. I need to give my life to Jesus. I don't have a relationship with him. Don't see that hand. God knows your heart. But if God is dealing with you, I hope you won't put it off. I hope that you'll see your need to truly turn your life over to Jesus Christ before it's too late because it is vital for you. The Lord spoke in your heart. You're going to pray this morning.